Certainly, when David was confronted with the Philistine enemies uh, and um, was actually confronted with the champion of the Philistines, we know him as Goliath, the giant, and uh, I just want to share a few closing principles as we reconsider that text from uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17. Uh, But before I do, to set it up just a little bit, we prayed uh, through song, Lord, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And it seems that because of that prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, one of our responsibilities is to bring a measure of heaven to the earth. Therefore, the prayer, let your kingdom rule, reign, the domain of the king come uh, from heaven to the earth. Let your will be done upon the earth. And it's that which I really want to um, sort of focus on indirectly as we spend our closing few moments uh, here this morning related to David and his uh, fight with Goliath the giant. And to ask the question, if we are to pray for the heavens and the kingdom to come upon the earth, it leaves us with sort of another uh, set of questions, and that is um, sometimes, and we'll read it in just a moment, uh, we're told very clearly that the battle is the Lord's. To that, everybody goes, yes, go get them, God. However... On the other side of the equation is what is my responsibility as a man or as a woman, as a believer? If the battle is the Lord's, then what is my responsibility? And maybe some of you have tried to answer those questions for yourself because sometimes it's really not clear. And I failed miserably at different points in my life where the Lord has said, uh, this battle is mine, and then I unsheath my sword and I go out there and try to make it happen. Or we can just um, presume that we've heard and then just you know, run ahead in presumption. And so there's really a balance that I want us to look at. Uh, so let me just read the text, if I may, from 1 Samuel 17, beginning at verse 47, and I'll read uh, through verse uh, maybe 54, not all of it. I'll skip a couple of verses there. Uh, Verse 47 in 1 Samuel 17, uh, and this is, uh, we've already discussed the context, David's coming, why he came to bring food to his brothers on the front line, and he heard the the scoffing giant breathing out uh, all kinds of of nastiness toward the the Israelites. And uh, verse 47 says, Then all this assembly... Uh, shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's. Can you say that with me? The battle is the Lord's. And He will give you into My hands. So it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, that look what David did. He hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Then David put his hand into the bag and took out a stone and he put it in his sling and he slung it, it says, 
and struck the Philistine in the forehead so that the stone sunk deeply into his forehead, and with that he fell face down on the earth. I love that. I don't know. That's one of those man things, I guess. You know, like, oh, God. Uh, so David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone, and he struck the Philistine and killed him, but there was no sword in his hand. Therefore, verse 51, David ran uh, and stood over the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of his sheath and killed him and cut off his head. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they ran. Now I'm going to skip verse 52 and 53 and then uh, read uh, with you or to you. And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem, but he put his armor in his own tent. Now let me share a few principles as we sort of wrap this mini-series up on slaying giants. Um, uh, first of all, the text clearly says is this battle will be the Lord's. And yet, what you see is that David is not sitting back and waiting for God to act. So there seems to be a very clear uh, joining of it is God's battle, but we then, David, has a part in this particular uh, battle. Verse 47, the, the battle is the Lord's, but our responsibility in the battle is that sometimes God asks us to act on His behalf in the midst of the battle. Verse 47, And all the assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's. But verse 48, which we just read, says, Therefore, knowing that the battle is the Lord's, and he doesn't save by sword and spear, uh, then uh, David, it says, hurried toward Goliath and met the army of the Philistines. You see, there is often in the battles that you and I face every day, and though God promises never to leave us. Isn't that good? Never to forsake us. He empowers us by virtue of His Spirit living within us to accomplish everything He calls us to accomplish, and yet we still often have to act. Don't you hate that? Well, yeah, we do. Well, you know, we, don't, we, we would rather the Lord just clobber the enemy. And there is precedence for Him doing that in the past. But in this case, uh, David showed up and he hurried toward the Philistine. Brings to mind a couple of scriptures that David penned. Uh, Psalm 27, 2 and 3. And I'm asking the question, I wonder what David was saying. Uh, when he... Let me turn this one. Imagine the armies of the Philistines are out on the hillside. And coming, emerging out of the big crowd of all the Philistines comes this big lumbering giant. He's about, let's say, 30 to 40 yards in front of the army. And the army's coming with him. The army stops, and then the giant proceeds. And with that, the Scripture says that David hurried toward the Philistine. He hurried uh, toward him to meet the Philistine. He ran toward him. You see, there's the time in which we must know that God is doing the work, but He enacts us to take our part in it. So it's that tension that I'm trying to show you this morning. And I suspect, what was David saying? What happens in your mind when you're confronted with, a, with an enemy and even though you may know the battle is the Lord, but you still have to act 
and faith? What are the kinds of things that happen in your mind? You see, there are bigger giants sometimes in our own head than there is outside of us. Now, this was an external giant, to be sure, but if there were doubt in the heart of David, if there were fear in him, if there was worry and anxiety, uh, that could have overpowered and and redirected uh, his efforts. Instead of hurrying toward the giant to meet the Philistine, he could have run the other way. But Psalm 27, 2 and 3 says, David could have been saying as he's walking toward the giant, as he hurries toward him, he could have been saying, Psalm 27, 2 and 3, when the wicked come against me to eat my flesh. And see, that's what the enemy told him. I'm going to feed your flesh. He hurried toward him. The wick, when the wicked comes against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and my foes, they stumble and they fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may arise against me, in this I will be confident. I got a stone. Now a stone doesn't seem like a very big implement of war to come against an army and a giant, but David knew something about these stones that he had. They represented a heart being fully devoted to Jesus, if you will, the Lord of the earth. And he understood that these stones represented the Word of God in his own life. And I think maybe that's what James chapter 2, verse 14 through 18 are trying to tell us, uh, that faith without a corresponding action is often vain talk. Or James just says, faith without works is dead. And we get all uptight about that because we think that work has to do with our salvation. It has nothing to do with our salvation. We are saved by faith alone. But faith that is authentic and real is never alone. You see, faith enjoins action in order to engage the enemy in the battles that we have. So genuine faith always requires a corresponding action. One more Old, text, Old Testament text and reference is in Exodus and the people of Israel were coming out of bondage, as you remember, and they were uh, moving into, uh, eventually into the promised land. Uh, but in Exodus 17, they come to a place called Raphadim. And you all know this story. Moses said there to Joshua, choose men and go out and fight with the Amalekites. So, here I am, Lord, send Joshua. That's <laughs> sort of what it sounds like to me. You take your sword and get men, and you go out and fight with the Amalekites in this valley. However, I'm going to go up on the mountain and raise out the staff of God. And you've heard it preached, and you've probably preached it even yourself, that that's the point of intercession where his arms began to be tired and, and Aaron and her come up under him And every time the staff would go down, the Amalekites prevailed. And every time the staff would go up, as prayer and intercession continues to go forth, uh, the Israelites would prevail. You see, and what you see in that text is the very same thing you see in 1 Samuel 17, and that is the work of God is through prayer and intercession, but it's never just prayer and intercession or the raising of the staff. Joshua had to take his sword and go in and really fight men in flesh and blood. And sweat and blood and tears, it really happened in the valley, but God was in the midst of it through prayer and through intercession. So you see both, is my point. 
uh, that when the battle is the Lord's, we often have a place of responsibility in it. That's the first thing that I see from this text where David says the battle is the Lord's and yet we have responsibility in that battle to act in a way that's commensurate with God's calling. The second thing I want to lift out of this text for you is that David had to learn to actually release his stones. The, the stones that he picked up, remember he found five uh, smooth stones in a brook, shook the water off of them, I suspect, and put them in his little uh, leather shepherd's bag, probably on his belt. So he had these, these stones with him, and with those stones he had to run toward the Philistine, engage the Philistine, but the point here is that he actually had to use his stone. Stones won't do you any good unless they're slung. Now, I've encouraged each of you to find a minimum of five stones that are your stones. Five Scriptures from the Bible that speak specifically to what you wrestle with most. So, and it will make no difference if you find those five stones and simply walk around with them so that they can jingle and jangle on your belt. So that when the enemy, the point is when the enemy comes against you, whether an external enemy or an internal enemy, when he raises himself up against you, what we find here David had to do is he actually had to release the stone using the Word of God for its intended purpose. Verse 49 says this, David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and he slung it. Now at some point in time, we need to learn how to sling our stones. In other words, how to use the stones that God has specifically highlighted for you and how they relate to the specific tensions and battles in your life. So that's what I want to look at uh, here this morning as, as we end. David took his stone and he slung it. You see, having stones in your shepherd's bag isn't enough. They have to be released. A few texts that corroborate that. Isaiah 22, verse 23, the word's like a, a nail or a peg in a sure place. Isaiah 50, verse 4, and also in Proverbs 15, 23, there's a word that's in season. There, there's a word that's specifically matched for you in your fight with your enemy. Find those words if you're dealing with the giant of doubt. Then find those Scriptures that talk about faith. And, and learn how to sling that stone when that giant of yours comes, comes toward you. Isaiah 55 says, My word will not return void, but it will accomplish that to which I send it. But you've got to release it. And with the, I don't know how those slings work, honestly. But I've seen them. Put this stone in probably a three, a three and a half foot leather kind of thong, two or three straps, and you begin to swing it. And at some point in time, you, 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 it's a flick of the wrist, and it comes out of that sling. And with some practice, you can become pretty good with those things. I've noticed that it takes practice to become pretty good with most everything in life. We're going to watch the Super Bowl here pretty soon. It takes a whole lot of practice for those guys to come out of the pocket and, and hit those guys downfield, doesn't it? 
Same with basketball. Same with golf. Same with swimming. Same with everything. Same with the Word of God. It takes some practice taking that Word that's in season and making application to the giants in your life and then actually at some point slinging it. Now what does it mean to to sling? Hebrews 4.12 says, The Word is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. Um, In other words, each of these Scriptures speak to the Word having a specific purpose and a timing, like a rock that's going to hit the enemy. See, David had to sling it. Giants will come to you. How many have had giants speak or come or try to fear, breathe fear into your life this week? Some, you know, I'll make an application. We got some up there. All up. Giant. What were, what were some of those giants? If you, could you, well, let me just give you some examples. How about the giant of worry or anxiety? (laughs) You're trusting Jesus. He's not going to come through for you. (gasps) We we, we kind of ham it up and giggle at it, but the fact of the matter is, if you're given to anxiety and you're given to worry, that is a formidable foe, yes? And when He comes usually in the middle of the night, and wakes you up, and then you can't go to sleep because you now engage your brain with his accusations, his chirping and his muttering, his lumbering toward you. I'm going to feed your flesh to the birds of the air. You know, it's like, oh, that's when you have to grab a stone. That's when you have to learn how to sling it and let it go. What is your your stone that you would use after directed toward that enemy, that giant, when he comes to you. Well, if it's anxiety and, and worry uh, or, or uh, whatever, I would think something like Philippians 4, 6, be anxious for nothing. I can't tell you how many times I have quoted that text for me. Why? Because I've been anxious and worrying. So how do I, how do I load my sling... And how do I then release it? That's the question. I'm trying to be practical here because it doesn't do you any good to have a whole bunch of stones in your bag if you don't know how to sling them. So if you're overtaken with worry and anxiety, find a text that God would give you. God, give me stones related to my giants. That's what we've been talking about. So that when He awakens you in the middle of night, the night, and whatever demonic presence is slurping and chomping and drooling and trying to get you to stay up all night, anybody know that? Yeah, we do. Then you need to get up out of bed and start firing some stones. You see, the Scripture says, be anxious for nothing. You know what I do? I actually get in a place where nobody else is around. I've done this. I like, it. I like getting in my car. The middle of the night doesn't work. I don't like to go out and drive in the middle of the night. It's usually cold. <laughs> but I like to get alone, and I like to say something like, you know, God's not given me a spirit of fear. I will be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, I'm going to make my request be made known to God so that the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will begin to guard my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. I actually say it aloud. How do you let your stone go? 
Be anxious for nothing. Ha! You know, I identify the source of the chirping and the muttering, the lies, because if the enemy can get you to believe a lie, you will empower him, the liar. So you counteract it the same way Jesus did. The giant came to Jesus, by analogy, in the wilderness, and he was fasting 40 days. And you, heard, you know the story. He said, hey, change these stones into bread. What's wrong with that? The man's hungry. We just finished a 21-day fast yesterday. Was it good to finish the fast and then eat a big meal? How many did that? Anyway, we won't say. A couple did. Good for you. You see, sometimes you just need to, you need to deal in a very specific way with, with your stones. Make these stones into bread. No. It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Two or three times he came back. If you're the Son of God, took him up to the top of the temple, then throw yourself off, because Psalm whatever it is, 90 or 91, says you won't dash your foot against the stone. Just cast yourself off. He said, no, it's written. You see, Jesus was casting stones the written Word of God, at His specific enemy at His specific time in order to counteract His purpose. Brothers and sisters, you and I have to learn how to sling our stones, not just carry them around. Not just carry our stone collection around, but to pull out of that collection stones that are applicable specifically for us. Okay, I think I'm getting my point across here. If, if you're... Uh, if your giant is, is, wor- is doubt or unbelief, you might want to f- find a stone like um, Philippians 4.13. Doubt and unbelief. You know how many people struggle with doubt? Probably most of us, if we're honest. Did I really hear God? Is, does God really speak to me? How come He speaks to everybody else, or at least they say they do, and I never hear anything? You just, you just need to, to practice hearing and then, and then walking in what we've heard in, in, until we begin to feel confident that, oh, that was God. Or, no, that wasn't God. So I go back and I, I relearn. You see, but if, you're, if your giant is doubt, then Philippians 4.13, I, uh, I can do all things. People go, you know, I'm just amazed when, when you preach. I go, you're kidding me. <laughs> See, because you don't know what's inside me. I can be filled with anxiety. Oh, I've got to preach. Oh, it's got to be. No, it doesn't have to be anything. It needs to be the Word of God to feed people. But the human side of me can become anxious and filled with doubt. And at those points in time, I just say, I can do whatever Jesus calls me to do because He lives within me. It isn't about me. Everybody goes, ooh, I wish I could do that like you do it. (laughs) You can. Find your stones and use them. The battle is the Lord's, but we have a responsibility in it. Number two, learning to release your stone in faith. Use the Word of God for its intended purpose. Uh, Faith is is, actually will use both prayer and action as in Raphadim. Thirdly, learn how to follow through and finish the job. I love this about David. What do you mean learn, learn to follow through and finish the job? Uh, let's look at uh, verse 51, if your Bible is still open like mine isn't. Uh, Therefore David ran 
and he stood over the Philistine, and he took out his sword and drew it from his sheath, and he killed him and cut off his head. Now, why did David do that? Well, David had some experience. Uh, remember, I think I read it last week, Second uh, or First Samuel um, 17, I think it's verse 35. It says this, um, But David said to Saul, verse 34, Your servant used to keep sheep with his father, his father's sheep, and then a lion and a bear came out and took the lamb from the flock. And I went out after it. Somebody said, oh, that was dumb. <laughs> no, not if God calls you to get it. He w- so I went out after it, and I struck it, and I delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it rose again against me, I caught it by its beard, and I struck it, and I killed it. David had some experience with conking something upside the head and having it go down. And then as he went over to kind of look at it and kind of kick it and see, see if it, it rose up again. At, point, at that point, he struck it with something. We don't know what it was. He just struck it. Maybe a sword, maybe a knife, maybe something else. But he struck it and he killed it. The same with the lion. You see, that's what he knew, and he took that experience into the battle with Goliath. So here we go. Goliath is, is belching out all this foulness toward the people of God, and specifically David. He takes a stone, and he hits him in the head. He falls to the ground. But see, he's been through this experience once before. He's not going to go over there and, and, and kick the old buddy and see, see if he begins to move. He wasted no time. The Scripture says he ran toward him, having struck him with a stone, he ran toward him and took Goliath's own sword out of his sheath, it says, and killed him and cut off his head. We don't know that he killed him by cutting off his head. I suspect he took that big sword and went through his heart and then took his head off with it. Because he didn't want him raising up against him. Some things you learn the hard way, don't you, Fred? You just learn the hard way. Well, he wasn't going to let that happen again. So follow through and finishing the job is important. Learn how to follow through and finish the job. Now, how do you make application to that with your giants? Well, if you have a giant of doubt or a giant of worry and anxiety, or a giant of anger, or a giant of fear. You just name the giant. It makes no difference. We're, we're affected by many of them. Once you sling your stone, if it's fear, God has not given to me a spirit of fear, but of love and power and of a sound mind. I will not stand for this goings-on in my mind, and you sling it, and you say that word again and again, and then you follow through, which is to give thanks for what He has done. Learn how to follow through, giving thanks for what God has done, even if in advance. God, I thank You. See, that's follow-through. You slung the stone, and now you're following through with thanks, with thankfulness, with praise, giving God praise for who He is. Hebrews 13.15 says, let us continually offer up the sacrifice of praise. Um, Something happens when we begin to speak thanksgiving and praise in the midst of fear and anxiety and doubt and worry, etc. I think that's why assembling ourselves together is so important. Um, uh, Hebrews... Uh, 16, 
4.16 says, let us come boldly to the throne of grace. What's happening when you come boldly to the throne of grace? To find grace and power in your time of need. That's follow through. Because each of you have been fighting giants. Some in your sleep, some in your waking moments. Some coming at you through other people. Some coming at you through circumstances in your life. Through a boss that you can't control. You can't control anybody, by the way. Uh, But you see, all of those kind of things are coming against us all of the time. Even the culture that we're living in is percolating against having faith in God. And when you sling the stone, then follow through with praise and follow through uh, with worship, follow through with assembling ourselves together. That's why you're here this morning and not on the golf course. There's a hundred places you could be, and in some cases we'd rather be. But we've learned something important, haven't we, about follow through. And that is, if I don't continue to follow through, this thing like the giant might raise up against me. This thing like the bear, this thing like the lion may get up again and come after me. So we let our stone go, and then we follow through and keep it down with praise, with worship, uh, with, with being in community, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is uh, the... the, the the way of some. Fourthly, the battle is the Lord's. We have some responsibility in it. Learning how to actually throw your stone, sling your stone, is important. Thirdly, learning how to follow through and finishing off the job. And then fourthly, David gave testimony for all to see and hear about what God had done. I'm reading from... uh, Verse 54, and David took the head. It's probably a big head. I don't want to be too graphic here, but you know. He took the head back to Jerusalem with him. Mouth. For all to see. Now what was he doing? (laughs) The enemy has come after me like a giant. And I'm but a little shepherd boy. And with the help of a sling and a stone and then his own sword, here is that giant as it rolled in the dust. Secondly, it says that he took the giant's armor. And you can read about what that actually was in the previous chapter. He wore a, a, a chain mail suit that weighed some, I don't know, bunch of shekels. Big heavy chain mail suit. And a big a bronze helmet, and, a, and his javelin was like a weaver's beam. He had this big old thing with a, an iron um, a head on it that weighed, I don't know, some, I don't know how many pounds, eight or ten pounds. This big, he took that stuff back and put it in his tent. Why? Because he knew there'd be other giants that would come after him. And beloved, not only do you have to throw the stone and hit it because we got to be engaged in the battle, but we need to follow through with praise, with worship, with thanksgiving, and declaring what God has done because you can be sure that once you get one giant, there'll be another one. Once you get the bear, there'll be a lion. See, Jesus said it this way, in the world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Most of us spend all of our days trying to get out of tribulation, trying to fix the details and circumstances of our lives and make them better. That's just a human thing that we do. 
But instead of that, just remembering God is in control and we're leaving this place at some point in time and entering into an arena of eternity which there is no tear, there is no pain, when everything will be instantaneously made right. In His time, God makes all things beautiful uh, for us. So David gave testimony by the head of Goliath and he put the armor in his tent as a memorial to God's faithfulness to himself because he knew there would be other giants in his future. David strengthened himself uh, in the Lord. Well, I wonder if it's possible to practice throwing stones. We should have a, a, a practice throwing stone clinic. I'm going to wear a hard hat if we ever do that. Because I know I'd wrap one around my, <laughs> around my head. But actually, <clears throat> as we close today, I thought maybe it would be, um, all pun, puns aside, but we could really practice uh, wielding a stone, releasing a stone, releasing a word for another brother or a sister. And when you read the Scriptures, uh, in fact, um, and I'll just... Uh, quote in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 12, it says, Now the word of wisdom, the manifestation of the Spirit, is given uh, to the saints for the common good. In other words, you have some stones in your pouch that God has given you, and they're for other people. They're not for you. So one of the ways we can, in fact, practice biblical theology here is to practice uh, giving a word to other people. Now, that presupposes that we're listening to the voice of the Spirit, which means we have to ask Him. See, the Scripture says we don't have because we don't ask. Let's ask. In fact, let's just ask right now. Lord, I just uh, pray, uh, as we, in our closing few minutes here, that uh, You would give to each one of us a word of knowledge uh, or wisdom, a manifestation of the Spirit that would be for the good of the body or someone else. We thank you, Lord, in advance for that, in Jesus' name. Uh, amen. So on Sunday nights, um, Sandy Bell, are you here, Sandy? I think I saw you earlier. Where are you? There, over here. She's been practicing with us slinging stones. She didn't call it that, but that's what we've been doing, and that is getting words of knowledge for people, and then we would pray for them according to that word. Now, I don't have an hour to pray or to teach on how you get one, but I've done some teaching in the past. You just need to put your mind kind of in neutral because the Spirit is not your mind. The Spirit comes from the Spirit and then something will drop into your mind. Maybe a thought you never had. Uh, maybe it's an idea, an impression. Maybe it's you'll receive a word for someone. Maybe you'll feel something in your body and you don't think it's for you. Maybe there's a back pain and you don't have back pain as a normal uh, way to, to walk, uh, and you go, well, maybe that's a word of knowledge that God wants to touch somebody here who does have some pain in their back. So that's a way in which we can actually um, practice slinging stones, uh, giving a word to people, and then pray for them. So that's what we're going to do here for just a minute. Now here's the way this is going to work. This doesn't have to be spooky. You demystify all this kind of stuff. God is dropping in some of your minds already. 
Uh, some, maybe it's a word, maybe it's a, a thought, maybe it's an impression, maybe it's a feeling that you have in your body. So just take a minute and just ask Him. Right now. Say, okay, God, just you want to share something with someone in here through me, I give you the right to do that. Well, that was fast. Yep. My, my rule is keep it short, keep it simple. Michael, do you have that, um, that um, microphone? We did not prearrange this, right? No, you did not. Oh. <laughs> uh, last week, uh, <clears throat> I was late coming to church, uh, and uh, I ended up being all the way into the... Up in the balcony, all the way into the corner, I realized after some of the things that happened last week, I realized I'd been strategically placed all the way into the back of the corner so that I wouldn't open up my mouth at the time. And we were told at that time that uh, uh, due to some different financial situations that our leadership was going to take a 25% cut in their salaries. And the, the, the word of the Lord just jumped in my face, you know, back there, and I wanted to jump out, and I realized that it wasn't the time, and that that's why I was, for the first time, all the way into the back, into the corner, all the way in the back, and I began to pray about that with the Lord during the week, and I wanted to come see Pastor Steve and talk to him about what I felt like God was talking to me about, and what he wanted to say to the church, and I kind of chickened out, and then I said, Lord, if you give me an opportunity to speak then I'll speak to the church. I have to pray for us. Was it that kind of, isn't that how he does? Anyhow, uh, what I heard was, at the time, I heard that when he said 25% cut, I thought to myself, in their salary, I thought, actually I heard the Lord speaking, saying, that's, we need to go in the opposite direction. We, should be get, we, we need to be giving them a 25% increase. I hear Jesus in that. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> now, now, listen, we also, know, we also know that there's a time for all, all, all these different things. And I was saying, God, this week I've struggled somewhat with it, and I, I've talked to the Lord about this. And, and this is what the Lord spoke to me and said. This is a time of testing. This is a time of testing for the body, for the whole body. And God, and, and if you've been serving the Lord for some time, testing comes all the time. And why does testing come? It comes to bring you into the next place that God wants us to be. Amen. The next step up, to, to go over there and get you so that you, you're able to prove the armor that God's about to place you into. And, and so what I heard God say was that everybody... That here's my voice. Judge for yourself. Jesus said that he didn't do anything except what he heard the Father say. So if you, feel, if you sense the anointing of God in this, then I urge you to listen to what I have to say to you today. Those that are giving to this church, I don't know what you give. You might give $5 a month. You might give $10 a month. What I heard God speak to me to say, and give, he said, give the people a chance to respond. And what he was saying to me to say to you was, whatever you're giving to this church, to this ministry, many people in here give to several ministries, 
But he was specific to say, watch your giving to this ministry. He said, increase it by 25%. So if you give $10 a month, give $12.50. If you give $50 a month, give $62.50. If you give $100 a month, give $125. $400 a month, give $500. You understand what I'm saying with this? Now, this is going to take some faith on your part. And you see, God wants to try and stretch your faith and say, see what I'll do. He needs for you to step out. He needs for you to step out in faith. It's impossible to please God without faith. These gentlemen went over there and said, we'll take a 25% cut in our salary. God's saying, increase whatever you're giving to this ministry by 25% and see what God's going to do for you in your life and in your loved one's life. Some different things that you're pray praying about. And, and that's the word that I had that came from the Lord. So if, if you feel the anointing of that, if you see what I'm saying, then do so. Let's see what happens. Let's have David pray. He received the word, and he said it was for the church. So just real short, need not be flowery, just Jesus, do what you said in our hearts. Father, we thank you for this time. I thank you, God, for your word. I thank you for the opportunity that you opened it up. Lord, open up this opportunity for me to speak to the church body, for the saints of God, Lord, that have been bought with a price and sealed with a promise. Now, Lord, let this not depart from their hearts, O God, but, Lord, let it be with them, God, throughout this day, and let them come to you and ask of you, to ask of you what they should do in this thing. And, Father, God will give you the praise and the honor and the glory, for all things are yours forever and ever. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Thank you, David. That was bold, a bold move. I appreciate that. <clears throat> Somebody else have a word of, of knowledge for someone else in the prayer for healing or whatever? Anybody? You don't have to follow that one. I mean, somebody? Yes, back here. Uh, De Deborah and then we'll come over here. Oh, God. I had a dream this week. And... Um, on the way to church, I was pawn I knew the dream was for my family, but as I was coming to church, I felt like the dream might be for the body. And here was the dream. Um, there were other parts to it, but I'm only going to share a specific part. There um, was a, a telephone pole vertical, and it was suspended in the air. And um, there was a garden. We were working around our home, and there was a garden. And as we looked up, we saw something, and then this boulder, I call it a, a boulder, of a, um, a, actually not a boulder, a log. You know, the scripture says, if there's a log in your eye, take the log out of your eye before you take the speck out of your brother's eye. Well, this actually was like a telephone log suspended. And someone came along, and I don't know who it was, but it was a man, and he pulls, he grabs something, and now he's pulling this out of the heavenlies. And when he does, I knew that what there was, in that telephone pole, there was a tree behind it, okay? It was a suspended tree. The log was connected to the tree. And so they pulled it down. When they pulled it down, it fell on the ground, and it became like a cardboard shed. And I said, okay, Lord, what does this mean? Well, I knew that the log was the speck in the eye, and, and I believe that the tree was the family tree, which was our family tree. But I also believe for, in the dream for me personally, it was a stronghold in our family line. And so... Someone came along, they pulled it down, and what was incredible about it, when that tree came down, there was incredible light now that could come forth because the tree was blocking this awesome light. And I looked and I said, wow, look at all this area that the light now is 
shedding upon because the tree's gone. And so, as I was coming to church, I also believe it is for our body that, um, however, it applies. I just shared how to apply. Well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have you pray. We didn't know these were going to be body words that came, but I want you to pray for us that whatever log or specks would be taken out of our eye. You know, you pray as the Lord leads you about that, what you saw. Father, um... Father, you know the things that, one of the things about the log in the eye is that we see something in our brother that we don't like. Mm-hmm. But, we, but what you're saying to us is that there's a speck in our own. I mean, there's a log in our own eye, and you're telling us to take the log out of our own eye before we judge our brother and get critical about him. And so, Father, the, uh, the accuser of the brethren would love to accuse each other. And so, Father, I ask that you break that off the body of Christ, specifically this house. I ask, Father, that um, you would begin to, um, you are going to pull this down. I believe that the man of the dream was an angel. And that you are going to pull down this log in our family trees of the members of this household and the family of this house, individual families and the house of the Lord, the family of this house, and you are going to pull it down, and you are going to bring forth your light of revelation mm-hmm. that is op- going to open up our eyes where we're blind. So, Father, I thank you. This is your word. This is your act. This is what you're going to do. And, Father, we thank you in advance for the revelation that you're going to bring forth and for the healing and the understanding of who we are and what we, the lies that we have believed that you are going to tear down in this hour. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Yeah, awesome. Okay. Um, I was saved about uh, 25 years ago, and um, I had challenges on tithing. Uh, I was barely making it, I, I felt. And so a, a good friend of mine, a, a very prosperous, prosperous businessman, uh, we were talking, and I would talked to my dad previous, uh, maybe a year before that, about whether he tithes or not. And he said, well, Jim, I don't tithe 10%, I'll tell you the truth. Uh, I, I give a good amount, and I do um, work with the church. I go and do some work, and I, he says, I feel, you know, I'm comfortable with what I do. And I, you know, I just didn't feel comfortable, you know, and I, and I loved my father, and I respected him. So I was, I was talking to this businessman, and he said, you know, I tithe and I make a lot of money. And I said, most people feel like when they don't make much money, they can't afford to tithe. Well, if you're making a million dollars a year, think about writing a check for $100,000 and tithe. That, and then plus the income taxes on the rich are pretty awesome. So uh, he said he tithed. And I said, he says, Jim, why do you feel people don't tithe 10% to, the, to their church? And I said, well, I can only speak for myself. I said, my bills are barely made, and I, you know, I just don't have it, you know. And uh, he said, well, let me ask you this question. If you knew absolutely getting back ten times, tenfold, how much could you f- afford to give? And I said, I thought to myself, you know, that's, and he says, it's not that you can't afford to, it's you have a little lack of faith 
It's just faith. You don't absolutely believe because if you knew absolutely that you were going to get back tenfold, man, you could give a lot of money. <laughs> Is that correct? Thank you, Jim. <laughs> Thank you, Jim. Yeah, one more, and then we'll pray. I got it. Okay. I want to cast a stone. In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you, you judgmental spirit that is trying to cloud this family, Myrtle Grove Evangelical Presbyterian Church, I command you to leave in the name of Jesus Christ. You are recognized, you are rejected, you are renounced, and I command you this moment to leave and go to the bottom of the ocean and stay there. Now, Father, where there is darkness, light will come bursting in. Mm -hmm. You said so. I believe it. Thank you, Lord, for letting us see your light. Amen. Oh, amen. Um, let's stand. We'll be dismissed. Some of our uh, ministry team and elders and spouses, if you'd make your way up here to the front, uh, maybe there are some more words, uh, stones to be cast, hurled at the enemy. Uh, right now, in the name of Jesus, I want to thank you for this family. I thank you, God, that you're pulling down strongholds, uh, that you are taking thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. And God, I release your people now into the full destiny that you have for them. Lord, continue to stir those words in our midst and use uh, those scriptures specifically for their intended purpose uh, against the enemy and those challenges that continue to come against us. And God, we as your people will be careful to give you all of the praise in the name of Jesus. And everybody gave a big and hearty amen. amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful day today in Jesus. Uh, we'll love to pray with you and for you as the Lord leads.